Greetings everyone and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay and today we're going to get this Wednesday into Wisdom Wednesdays. Amen. Little coin phrases like Revelation Friday. Well, now we have Wisdom Wednesdays, which is going to be a thrill. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs on Wednesdays just to dig out the little nuggets uh, that that we would have discovered in this book of some preliminary things that we need to talk about, but we'll get into that after prayer as concerning the eclectic mind of the king. Now, there's no question about Solomon that, that he has beautiful nuggets for us, but some of these nuggets were written for a period of time, some of these nuggets are written for particular people, and some of these nuggets are given directly to us. So it's very important to understand that uh, there are some things about Proverbs that we might not ever really grasp because we're not that people during that period of time having to worry about those types of situations. However, there is much for us to glean from the book of Proverbs, and so we shall dive in on Wednesdays and, and dig out these glorious nuggets that would be given to us. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the blessing of this day. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being gathered together. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and for the wisdom that you had uh, given through Solomon, that wisdom which we can glean from, Lord, and that, that our hearts can grow wise by. We thank you, Lord, for the time that you have given us to be here and ask that you will bless it, that you will bless us as we consider these things today in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, as I was saying earlier, you've got the eclectic mind of Solomon, and that guy's brain <laughs> was without question one of the the most wise men uh, it, it, throughout all of Scripture, but sometimes in his wisdom he became a fool, and he, he testifies to this. Is there's nothing that he hadn't tried under the sun. There's no good thing that he hadn't done. There's no wicked thing that he hadn't gotten into. And wisdom for us is to see the wicked to stay away from and the good to get into. So we go through the first portion of this from verses 1 to 7 of Proverbs chapter 1 for the introduction that this would be written uh, from Solomon to no doubt Rehoboam, his son, or to his children at large. After all, having uh, 700 wives and close to a thousand concubines, there's no question that Solomon would have a, a multitude of children that these Proverbs would be written to in order to maintain some sense of civility uh, within his kingdom. And thus the scriptures begin, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, 
and let the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. A very first uh, point to this and in the introduction of this is dealing with wisdom. And throughout the whole book of Proverbs, you're going to find wisdom often being spoken of in the feminine gender. You're, you're often going to be seeing wisdom referred to as she and wisdom uh, being, being spoken of in such a manner. And, and also to understand that there are two types of wisdom that are being spoken here. Uh, you say, what? Two types of wisdom? How's that possible? Well, a word being used in different, in different contexts. For instance, in Proverbs verse number 2, Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 2, the scripture says to know wisdom and instruction. Well, that, that first word, wisdom, there is chakma, or should I say, chakmal, <laughs> which you're getting into Hebrew, so you're getting into a lot of fun, uh, fun sounds, guttural sounds. Chakmal uh, is this word, wisdom, and it means to be skillful, or it means to, to have wit. And, and that's, that's pretty important, to know a skill, to know how to be skillful, to know how to use your wits and and how to to receive instruction, uh, how to perceive words. In other words, to discern, have a, have a level of discerning, perceive words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Now, this is an exciting word. The instruction of this word wisdom is a word Sakal, which is a word that means to to in, receive intelligence, is what he's saying. Verse number three. So to receive intelligence, or to be able to gain in skill, or gain in in wits. So these two words, wisdom, in verse two and verse three, are two totally different words that carry forth a similar meaning, but in different contexts. So very important that we dig into this, that we dig into to even the context, even the depth of the of the meaning of words. But he goes down and and he tells us a couple of other things that we would receive today. He says, let the wise hear. Now, this is very important for us because we've already dealt with this several times before, that with these we hear, right, and with these we see. And so it's very important to understand what he's saying in this point that we may be able to hear what he's trying to say as our eyes are picking up these words. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Now, uh, an, another connection to this would be found in, in Revelation chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 3. If you recall that Revelation 1 verse 3, it would tell us, Blessed, and, and we went over that word blessing and cursing from Sunday morning. Remember, a blessing is because of the obedience to those things received from God and done. 
and a curse would be that which we have rejected to receive. In other words, it would be these, this wisdom of the, of the Word of God that we would reject to receive, therefore not doing. So he said, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Now, it's very important because it says, blessed in, in Revelation 1.3, blessed are those who hear and blessed are those who read. Well, first it says, blessed are those who read, and then it says, blessed are those who hear and understand. So it's very important that we, we understand with this and with this that we understand and increase. Now, what are we increasing in? A very important question to be asked when you're dealing with the book of Proverbs, because what are we, what are we looking to increase in? Well, the statement would be wisdom, and that wouldn't be totally incorrect, but it's wisdom of God's Word. Not just wisdom that can be applied, uh, general principles or things of that nature. We're looking for God. And, and the one who grows in the desire for God is the one who grows in obedience to their king. And that will come forth with blessing. There's no question about it. But we, we know the antithesis to that. If we simply look for principles for living, if we look for generic principles that we could apply to Buddha or we could apply to anyone else, we're just looking for uh, the little nuggets that could come out, which you could certainly find in the book of Proverbs, where, where you could build a whole uh, set of instruction without even leading people to Christ, without even speaking the name of God. Then we find ourselves utilizing the word of God in error, and we find ourselves without connection to the Father, even though we're looking into the principles that he teaches us. And we, we are standing in rebellion. So when we consider the increase in learning, and when we consider it, like it says in verse number 5, the one who understands obtain guidance, the, the guidance we're looking for, the learning that we're seeking to be increased in, is God. Is God. It's God's Word. And that is the, the desire that we have for wisdom. That is the desire for the instruction to be received. The, the, this is the very point of the prudence that is given unto the simple, the knowledge to, and discretion to the youth. It's all about God's word. It's about knowing God better. And if within our studies of Proverbs we find ourselves not knowing God any better, but simply uh, tuning into this for, for purposes of growing in quote-unquote wisdom, then we failed the purpose to begin with, right? So he comes down and he says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now the truth of it is, is that we get to verse number six, when we discover a lot of the things that Solomon was saying, but then we look at Solomon's life, say rather Second Chronicles or Second Kings, and we, we look through the life of Solomon, we're going to discover that even Solomon didn't understand half of the stuff that he had said in Proverbs. <laughs> that even Solomon didn't understand the, the, the very nature of the things that, that he would speak, in, even in Ecclesiastes. And so with, with the wisdom that indeed he would be given in order to be able to write and to be able to speak these great words, we would understand that a man is possible to be educated beyond his own intelligence. 
and that uh, Solomon certainly didn't live the wisdom that he spoke, which oddly enough is very much a truth within our modern day, and that you could have some of the most excellent biblical scholars, the most excellent Bible teachers, uh, the, the people that you love watching on television, the people that you love uh, listening to that, that, that have fallen, that, that have fallen through their fame, that have fallen uh, into sin and, and had to step down from the ministry. I mean, you, you think about all of these different people who, like a broken clock, as I always refer it to, could be right uh, twice a day. So to speak, in other words, you could have these these people who majoritively are false prophets, but they could step on to something that is true and they could speak a truth and God can actually use them to speak his truth through them as it so pleases him. But then the majority of the time they're operating off their own understanding. They're operating off of what they've been taught, not what the Holy Spirit has given them. But they have said that it was from the Holy Spirit and convinced a whole nation that they're of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and it's so deceptive, isn't it? And this is the kind of wisdom that we need is the wisdom to be able to know God and, and to be so close with God is that we can discern, and just like he said, to, to be able to discern, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive the instruction and, and in dealing and wise dealing rather in righteousness and justice and equity, to, to be able to know the ways of this world and to be able to spot them even in the church today. It's only coming from the Word of God and and a close fellowship with the Word of God in, in communion with your own heart. And that's the only way that you're going to be able to spot these things. And that's that's exactly what we get in this introduction is, is this very point of verse number seven, the fear of of the Lord. Now, I want to look at that word fear because a lot of people, I, I, we just get that word off. We, we, we just don't get that word. Uh, this word fear, okay, this word is yira, this word fear, yira in Hebrew, and, and it means dreadful, <laughs> okay? It, it means uh, uh, fear, but exceeding fear, like exceedingly fearful. That this is something that is to be trembled at. Uh, if you look at the the compound of the word, and and you look at its root as yare, which, which is literally meaning be afraid, is what this word. As we trace the word. Yahweh to the the primitive root. This means that the very the very base of of what Yira this word what it really means to be afraid. The very primitive root of that word is literally to frighten. Okay, to to put dread into. Okay, uh, terrible <laughs> would be another. Uh, synonym to this. And so would we consider that the fear of the Lord, we understand that that it is the same kind of fear, the same kind of dread that you would have as as growing up. You you might have had a, an actual horrible father. 
you might have grown up in a home with somebody who was drinking, with somebody who was drunk, who was who was abusive, who was just hateful, horrible in every way. And and it's hard to understand the nature of this dread because in that you dreaded your father is because you you didn't want to be around them because to be around them was to be beaten by them. And that that is a difficulty when, when people are trying to connect with or trying to understand who God is. Unfortunately, we often attach our our upbringing, we, we attach our family structure and the difficulties we had and the corruption of this world of the families that, that we grew up in, we attach that to the nature of God, which is not true. And, and needless to say, when we look at God as though he were like my own father, and my father might have been uh, a drunk, my father might have been a druggie, my, fa- my father might have never been there for me, never been home, never been never been the, the kind of man that I would ever want to be. And if that would be the case for you right now, we're talking about the Father, we're talking about the, the concept of Christianity, and you want nothing to do with it. Because you see God falsely, you see God wrongly, because you you are equating God with the experiences that you had with the corruption of this world. And, and often you will blame God because of the corruptions of this world, because you had to grow up in such a hard environment, because you had to 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 put up with or deal with such a, a, a difficult upbringing and a, and a difficult time, it, it it would somehow fall into God's hands as being His fault. And the reality is, it's not. The very fact you're still you're still drawing breath is the fact that God's Grace, regardless of what environment you grew up in, has been upon you and that God has a purpose for you and that God loved you. And even through the difficulties of the corruption of Satan in this world, he still watched over you. Even through the suffering you might have had to go through, the pain you might have had to endure, Jesus was right there enduring it with you. And, and, and praise God, he's wholly different from what you think. When you consider this word fear, and because you've grown up in a life full of fear and full of dread for for the people that you might be around or the environment you might have lived in or the, the place in the city that you grew up, you, you're, you're so tired of, of being fearful. You're so tired of dreading everything that you just don't want anything to do with God that's supposed to be dreaded that's supposed to be terrible and and that the churches we we realize that there are those who have to grow up in this world of corruption and maybe we were some of those and instead of teaching the truth about god we want to change that to to a concept of reverence which nobody understands really to be reverent to God and to, 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 to do this and to do that. But those who are speaking of the reverence of God are certainly not giving him reverence or they'd be doing what he said. And rarely do we find that being accomplished. But that in our dread of the Lord and an understanding of his might, that it would bring us to a state of reverence, not by what we say, but by the way we live. So it's very important that when we get to verse number seven, it's a deal breaker for some simply because of the word fear. 
but it should be the very thing that encourages you the most is because of who God is. And thus it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. And it's, it's true. Guys, to, to understand who your father is, is that not the very beginning of, of understanding everything about you? You know, you think about the choices that you make, and then you, you have times of remembrance that it was choices in your, your modern day that you make because of what you were taught by maybe your father, maybe your mother. You think about, you think about the, the sum of the person that you are today as, as being built upon the, the decades of, of time spent growing up in, in your family environment. Now, that might not always be good, <laughs> okay? That might not always be right, but this is why we've got to change our, our fear from that which we have received growing up in the home to the Lord. That's where that new birth comes in. That's what's the importance of salvation and that, that turning to Yeshua and that turning to, to, to the Lord in, in the salvation is going to change us from, from this mortality to immortality, from this, from this corruption to incorruption. Turning to Jesus is going to save us, is going to give us a new heart, a new, new way of thinking, a new direction in life, is going to provide everything new because the old things have passed away. But you can only get that when you surrender the old things to die. And the only possibility of that is to change allegiance. And often allegiance is built by fear. This is such a very important word. Allegiance is based upon fear. You know, when you, when you, when you stand in the military, most of the young people, except for, for me, except for some, there might be a handful that are joining the military that understand exactly why they're going in. As for me, I knew I was going to serve my country. I was raised to serve my country. I, I, I was, that's what was going to happen. I didn't care about the college uh, opportunities that, it, that the military provided. I didn't care about all of the different perks and all of the other things. I, I was fully intending to serve my country, period. And so, needless to say, when you stand and you take that oath of allegiance to country, the oath of allegiance to flag, and you, you, you swear to uh, obey the orders of the officers that are given to you, most of the young people that were standing in that line had no idea what they were doing. It was just a cool thought they were going to join the military and be, be cool, be tough, uh, wear, wear the, the, the fatigues and have all this other stuff. Well, you hit basic training, you get a brand new fear about things. They put a healthy dose of fear in you right off the bus. <laughs> you, you hit basic training, you, you, you get molded by fear. You, do, you don't know when they're going to come in yelling at you. You don't know when the next 
next uh, thing is going to happen. You, you, you're going to be uh, run through drills. You're going to be run through PT. You're going to be run through all of these different things. As soon as your head nods in a class, they're going to dive all over you and yell at you and scream at you. You, you don't even know if you're going to be able to get out of the building after eating a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner where you're not standing in front of a table of drill sergeants and they're drilling you about the things you're supposed to know. And if you don't know it, they just chew you to pieces. You have such a healthy dose of fear. But on the other side of the graduation of that basic training, you're a brand new person. You don't think the same anymore. You don't look the same anymore. You don't walk the same anymore, talk the same anymore. You don't act like you used to. You're a brand new person molded in the image of, of the branch of the military that, that has literally placed such a dread in your soul that, that you are no longer afraid or dreadful of anything else. You, you have effectively conquered dread by the fear that has been instilled in you through this basic training. And that is exactly what, what is Solomon is seeking to do in understanding of who God is. You can't possibly move any further into the book of Proverbs unless you catch this point of verse number 7. The book is, is meaningless to you. It might have a little nugget here or there that you might grasp a hold of, but it's meaningless to you unless you grip verse number 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the very beginning of knowledge. If, if we don't have a proper sense of understanding the nature of our Father, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. Uh, but Look at the end of verse number 7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty comical when you would think about the concept of fools as being referred to here. What is this word as being used here? Oh, evil. <laughs> fools in this word in Hebrew are the evil ones. It, it is uh, literally uh, silly is what this word means. Evil before God is being silly or foolish. Uh, perverse is is another means by which this word is said. Let's take a look from the English Standard Version and see what that has to say about it. Let's, fools. There you go. It, you, you can't get any other word in this place but fools. Just just people who who despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, but are we foolish people? And the reason I ask that is because if we truly dread God, if we truly understood how just immense, how powerful, how amazing that, that God is. I mean, we read over the gospel accounts, you know, we, we, we see Jesus raising the dead to life. We see Jesus being raised uh, from death back to life. We see we see the sick healed, uh, those that suffer from palsy being healed. We see the man with the withered hand. We see the blind man. We see the deaf. We see the mute. We see, we see all of these specific and amazing healings. Watch Jesus walk on water and call Peter out there too. We, we, we've seen so much, and yet still we, we are a people who are 
just going about our own way, just doing our own thing, just believing what we want to believe, how we want to believe it, when we want to believe it, just serving God when it suits us, the way in which it suits us, and, and the time frame in which it suits us. We're living lives that are not a testimony to the reality of the fear of the Lord because we've altered this word fear from being something that presents a place of dread in our soul to just reverence, which we really don't understand anyways, but it's a sweet word to say, well, it doesn't really mean to be afraid of God. It just means to, to reverence Him and to love Him. And that's a lie. That's not what it means. It means... The same thing that it meant in your house when you were six years old and, and, and your mother was frustrated with you. And, and when dad got home and mama told daddy what you had done, you weren't reverencing daddy at that point. You weren't you didn't have a sense of of awe and reverence. You were scared to death. You were scared of what was coming. Because if you had a father like I had, you heard this periodically. You better do what your mama tells you to do. And if I find out. Now, the end of that I find out was blank because it wasn't known what was going to happen to you. But praise God, if mama come to daddy when he walked through the door after 16 hours of being out in the field on, on, on uh, operations that he would be doing as an undercover agent for, for this beautiful state, that, that mama said, you, do you know what your son did? It was best for you just to open the window, slide out your bedroom, and take off up to the hills for a couple of days. <laughs> that was dread that was, was genuine fear when you when you saw you know like mama you remember mama said go get to switch off the tree a lot of, a lot of you folks that talk to me is telling me about the times that you'd be disciplined where you had to go out and pick your own switch or or, or, you know, daddy would go get the belt out of the, out, or the leather strop that he'd use to sharpen the kitchen knives, what have you. And, and, and you think about that just for a second. It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old watching this. You still remember what it was like being a child with that fear because of the discipline that was about to come upon you. You still remember it. It doesn't matter how old you get this side of heaven. You're never going to forget that dread. You're never going to forget it. And the reality is, is that the society that, that existed during that time was more moral than, than what it is today, no doubt. I mean, you think about the, the, the immoral activities that are now being brought into law here in this nation, which is a sad state of affairs for our country. The immorality that's being allowed to frolic all over our society would never have happened in the, in the way that it is happening 40 years ago. That wouldn't have happened. And I know because that's when I came onto the scene. Well, it was 46 years ago, but it wouldn't happen. Now, it is no question that there were bouts of rebellion that would rise. There's no question that there are bouts of rebellion that had taken place, certainly in the 60s, moving into the 70s, no question. But as concerning law 
it wouldn't have been it it wasn't acceptable it 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 would never have been acceptable we were a more moral society because we had a proper sense of fear we we had family members that we dreaded to disappoint because that discipline that we remember from our youth that discipline actually molded us into a design and desire to make the the disciplinarian happy and so there came a point of time that that through the discipline through the dread a proper sense of of admiration a proper sense of devotion would be built upon that basis and then we would operate our lives in such a manner as that we would not want to to break that person's heart we we wouldn't want to disappoint the person we were seeking to please it it all came from the times of being disciplined and that dread that built up an admiration and that is guys cannot can i state it any more important about the necessity of the fear of the lord you can't have understanding without dreading god without without having a proper sense of the fear of the lord it's the beginning of knowledge and without a proper sense of understanding who god is without a proper sense of knowing god None of this, the whole Bible, none of it's going to make any sense at all. That's where the fools come in. And you know, we, we do have a lot of fools that, that would ignore tantrums in children and allow them to, to carry on, that would ignore, that would ignore the wickedness of, of political parties and just uh, allow it to continue on and w- would ignore the, the, the wickedness that, that is being proceeded into law and say well i'm only one person there's not much i can do about it anyway so i'm just going to turn a blind eye to it all of that you're fools because fools despise wisdom and instruction and god has told us god has told us through his word how we should conduct ourselves god has told us through his word what we should believe god has told us through his word what the world believes how the world has fallen in corruption god has warned us in his word not to be like the corruption of this world not to accept the corruption of this world not to follow the corruption of this world god has told us through his word and we from week to week to week will sit in a church sometimes some people anyway uh, there may be some watching this that don't ever go to church and you're wrong that's that that's wrong wherever you're living you better get your yourself into a bible teaching and preaching church you say well we just don't have any around us well that's not true either because if you're living within this area you surely could have come to morgan's this whole time and you didn't <laughs> some of you have i don't know couldn't say but i will say this there there's some that haven't say well but i have a church that's in this area if it's not a bible preaching church it's not a church because it isn't instructing you in the fear of the lord it isn't providing the knowledge of god's word it's it's fill it's it's tickling your ears and so you'll find that fools exist everywhere fools are everywhere And, and in fact there's no greater a fool than the one that believes themselves to be wise 
No greater a fool. Never forget that place in Andy Griffith when he was dealing with Colonel Hardy. It's so amazing that the teachings you can get out of Andy Griffith anyways connect to Proverbs. But in Andy Griffith's show, you're dealing with that, that, that medicine man, that, that fella, Colonel Hardy, who, who spent time among the Indians. And basically, he just labeled alcohol an elixir that, that heals the soul. And Aunt B got smashed. I mean, just topsy-turvy drunk in that episode, which was funny in itself. But Colonel Hardy is over at Andy's house, and he says in a statement, there are none so blind as those who will not see. Well, there are plenty of fools despising the wisdom of God and his instruction because they believe themselves to already know the wisdom of God and already be filled with his instruction. You see, there's tons of fools that come out of seminaries. There's tons of fools that come out of Bible colleges having received their pieces of paper called master's degree or pieces of paper called doctorate or doctor's degree. And and they're laden with information that has been pumped into them from these places that, that carry forth the curriculums of the school that make the children match the school uh, so that you have cookie cutter people, that you have, you have programmed pastors that are out there and and that they are full of wisdom and prepared to instruct and yet this not received of the holy spirit it's just a program pattern to teach three points in a poem it's a program that that is instructed to the series and you got to have series and you always got to have series and series this and series that and it doesn't matter if that series lines up with the holy spirit the holy spirit had anything to do with it because we're going to make it a product of the holy spirit we're going to make it a product so that we can we can do what we've been instructed to do Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise. Leadership of the Holy Spirit. Fools despise. But the fear of the Lord. Seeking the Lord while he's near. Trembling in the presence of opening your Bible is understanding that whatever you receive from the, from the word of God that day, you're responsible to live. Did you catch that? A, a literal trembling that you would come before the word of God this day as you receive of this instruction of Proverbs, that, that you would have a trembling in your soul because now that you have gained an understanding of what this word fear means, now that you have gained an understanding of what this word wisdom means, now that you have seen that the Lord said without the, the trembling in your soul, you haven't even begun to know him that now you're responsible to him for this understanding that you have received and you'll either be a wise person receiving the counsel of God's word this day or you'll be a fool that walks away from this and says good message and then doesn't do anything with it but dumps it in the garbage can of your mind Remember also that it was shown in Luke chapter number 24 and verse number 45 that it was necessary for Jesus to open 
the minds of his disciples so that they could understand. Perhaps, perhaps you need Jesus to open your mind to this. But the trembling fear of the mighty God who is dreadful and terrible of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because he will discipline you. He will instruct. With that, next Wednesday, we'll proceed to verse number 8 in concerning the enticement of sinners. Exciting place. You don't want to miss it. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the time together. We ask thy blessing upon us as we embark upon these Wednesdays where we dive into your wisdom, asking your blessing upon us as being able to receive of the nuggets that we are able to receive, Lord. And, and, and there's no question that there will be some things that are found within this that uh, even I don't understand, Lord. And Father, that's, that's just the nature of this book. And when we go through those things, we get the chance to share the, the reality of, of a person that doesn't always have the answers. And, and then to go digging and to go looking and to go searching to, to discover that some of these I may never know the answer to because it isn't given unto me to be able to know an answer to it because of what it was written uh, what it was written to, who it was written for, when it was written, and, and, and the purpose of it. But, Father, we're still going to dig into it. We still want to know you. We still want to hear you and experience you in a mighty way. So bless us on these Wisdom Wednesdays, Lord, that we may feast upon your riches. And tomorrow, Father, we shall embark upon the, the book of James, and, and what a thrill it will be to be able to talk about those things as well, that we may work through three books of the Bible for the foreseeable future. What a thrill, and, and we thank you for it. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. That's right, guys. So Wisdom Wednesdays, we get to look intently into Proverbs. And then the book of James, we're going to be looking at Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And, of course, Revelation Fridays. So, uh, amen. Pray for the preacher at the preacher's corner that he can keep everything straight. <laughs> and hallelujah for that. What we, what we will see is how God ties his word together between Proverbs, James, and Revelation. Already we've seen how he ties his word together between Proverbs and Revelation. So that's been pretty sweet, right? Uh, and, and, and we'll just see how this, this really comes together to become the whole testimony of God's word concerning Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. So God bless you guys. We'll catch you uh, tomorrow at the 4 o'clock hour. Amen. Looking at a little bit of James, who is, by the way, in Hebrew, Yaakov. We'll get into that. Take care. <laughs>